and be sure to access the link in this episode for access to all It's Giving content. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to It's Giving, hosted by your boy, Brandon the Introvert. In this episode, we'll be discussing Atlanta, Season 4, Episode 3, Born to Die. So, we... This episode, we get back into kind of the rap game of things you know season one especially season one and two was really heavy on just the rise in artistry when it comes to al the rise in uh with earn in terms of how he handles things as a manager and just his development so with those seasons we got a good amount of commentary just on the music industry and rap industry uh through the eyes of al and earn manager and artist so this episode kind of we go back into that. I feel like season three we didn't get much of, uh, besides new jazz, a little bit new jazz and maybe a little bit on the the that apartment episode. But we don't get too much heavy commentary. So this we're coming we're going back into kind of that uh, discussion about the rap game, about the music industry, what have you. So, yeah, we go back to that. So in the opening scene, well, first, this episode is directed by Adama Ebo, uh, who directed Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, and written by Jamal Alori, who is a longtime Atlanta writer and producer. So this is just one another one in the bucket for him. So we have the opening scene. Al is performing after he finished performing at a bar mitzvah. We see one of the white men come out and just be like, how do you do that? How do you, you know, the, the, the guy asks Al, like, how do you do it? How do you do that thing? How do you make it look real? What being black, you know, I, I want you to teach. I want you to teach my son. I, I, I'll pay, you know, I'll, I, I'll pay you. Of course, Al, you don't want to work for no, uh, unless it's a gig or something, you don't want to, like, it's weird asking to teach a, presumably, we can assume this is a white boy, how to be black and have a swag of a black person, black artist, black rapper, whatever. So, of course, Al's just not into it until the nigga says, I'll pay you a million dollars. That's something Al cannot possibly pass up. And we see that sets the tone for the episode, at least for him, in terms of the attainment of money, working with white people in this way, kind of flipping the dynamic of how it used to be, not even used to be, but it still is, but where you know you usually get the dynamic of a white manager, white executive, honing, training black artists. And then we kind of get this black artist honing and training training and using and utilizing and really manipulating it, if you want to view it as that, white artists. And, I mean, for me, I use manipulating you, like, with the... I mean, you are manipulating, but I view it as kind of okay because these white artists are sucking everything out. So we get Al, who agrees to you know, training the boy, and then we kind of just jump into that episode. So we see that 
the agency that Earn has been talking about, uh, at least in the episode one, or at least the job that he's working at now, uh, they're presenting a video for one of their clients. Client is an author who th- there's a black boy doing some fundraiser, probably for a school, who knows? And she just shows up, a white woman shows up at the front door of her house with a gun as the black boy, you know, is knocking on her door. And then obviously, you know, the black boy is just like, you know, just freezes. So basically from this racist incident, they're trying to see how they can clean it up and and kind of just, you know, use their public relations to just make her brand, her image look good again and be in everyone's good graces. So the PR director or whatever calls everybody uh, all hands on deck for this situation because she's one. uh, She's a best-selling author. So Earn is just sitting there like, I'd rather not do this shit. I'd rather just sign a new artist than have to deal with this. And the the boss is just like, okay, who, who wh- what you think? And Earn is like, you know, I can get D'Angelo. Everybody's laughing at him. They don't believe him. And Earn is just like, bet, and then goes off. He texts someone who seems to know D'Angelo's hair braider and just that's when his adventure starts in this episode. So Al comes into a studio session with the white boy whose father paid the father of the white boy who uh, paid Al to train his white son into basically having some like just natural swagger, like, like being a black artist, being a black rapper, having that black stage presence. And I'm using black because that's what it is like buying blackness. So we see there's a white boy, like a yodel kid in there doing some auto tune with the yodeling. There's a white pregnant lady in there. I, we see her make another appearance at the end of the episode, but I'm not sure if that's yodel boys. Mom, girlfriend, yodel boys looking very young, like 14, maybe even 15. So I don't know. That was just whatever, but. We see we got another person named Ricky Rick or whatever, and he's like, do the Rick and roll. I'm ricking. I'm rocking. I'm ticking. I'm talking. So it's just it's just very cringy all around because we see they're just like parasites of the culture, and we just see the obvious standard of white artists not having to try nearly as much as black artists do and uh other people uh poc artists so yeah we just see them stealing the culture and they and they're confident with it too because they know they're going to sell they know people are going to like them regardless so al goes up to one of the white boys i guess the white boy that he's supposed to train and that he was just like oh yeah you're uh the guy my dad bought like he had no like that might sound wrong. Maybe sounds like I'm a slave owner, whatever the fuck. He has no qualms about that. He just says it. And Al just takes it in and just be like, yeah, so what's up? And the boy's like, nah, you know, he, my father's just trying to help. You can just sit out and collect that check. And, you know, Al's just like, okay, word, got you. So Bunk then comes in. Uh, this This other rapper who I believe is a manager to one of the boys Al doesn't know that yet, but he comes in and just goes up to Paperboy, well, Al, and 
Bunk knows Al and Al knows Bunk. So they have an understanding. They know who they are. The white boys don't know who Paperboy is at all. So Bunk is just sitting there like, do you want to sit around here with these kids or do you want to go out and, you know, chop the shit up and whatnot? So, of course, Al goes with him and they kind of have a one-on-one. And Bunk asks Al, like, how much are you getting paid for this? And, of course, uh, Al says, you know, a million dollars. And Bunk says, you should be getting $10 million off of this shit. You know, this lifestyle isn't cheap. Keeping up with this lifestyle is hard. And you have to have a certain level of, you know, status and wealth to maintain that. Al agrees, but he's still just like, okay, so how can I do that? So Bunk invites him to, he doesn't ask that, but Bunk invites him to, a uh, meeting where it's like-minded individuals who are trying to get their money up. So now we see Ern's contact. I looked on the phone. The, the contact's name is Nina and uh, who sends Al, I mean, Ern sends Ern the location of D'Angelo, which takes him to a rallies. I didn't know this. Rallies, of course, Ern is like, there's a rallies here. So I didn't know Rallies is on the West Coast and Checkers, of course, is on the East Coast. So all I've known, I'm from Maryland, all I've known is Checkers. But I do know like Rallies and Checkers have, I mean, they're basically the same business. They even like look the same, like, you know, in the outer restaurant with them double drive-throughs, whatever. But so it's curious that there's a Rallies in Atlanta. And he goes around searching and sees there's uh, two signs, like a restroom sign, I think, for like employees, and then a sign that says D'Angelo with the 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 bathroom sign kind of flipped over. So he goes in, and we see it's a secret kind of chamber of sorts, very prison esque. And there's a man who looks very New Jack, very very eighties maybe early 90s but very 80s very new edition kind of and he's reading a jet magazine he makes no type of like talk he doesn't talk at all throughout the episode like at all but he's guarding the door from this huge kind of vault looking thing which you could assume that's where d'angelo uh is residing at so al makes it to the meeting and once Al is at the meeting, he sees it's a bunch of rappers, you know, probably sent in for the same reason as him, trying to make more money, trying to see how to elevate themselves. We see the person leading the meeting saying, like, if you're here, you're here because you care about your future. And it's kind of like a support group a little bit, but not really kind of like a kind of like one of them get rich quick type of group meetings probably like a Bitcoin Forex type of shit. And the person facilitating the group basically is saying, like, look at this picture. And it's a picture of just like rappers and it's all black rappers and this one white rapper. And he's like, so who do you think is the one that sells the most? And of course, everyone can, without even saying it, it's the white rapper. And he goes on to say, it's all about optics. It's all about optics everybody's status as a black rapper is declining. And then he goes into the formula. He says, basically, white boys are what sells, and you need a young white avatar to train, mold, and you need to get that young white avatar a Grammy. 
And when you do those two things, it's going to make you money. All he does is literally put triple dollar signs on it. So train the avatar, work through him or her maybe even, and get the Grammy and then get your money up. And that will keep you relevant. That will keep you in place because you have that white protection, that white security, that white investment that's not going to go nowhere. And we see those the white artists, uh, they have all the resources they can get. They have the whiteness. and I mean, all of it is connected. You have the resources because you're white and you're white because you have the resources. No, that doesn't make sense. You have all the resources because you're white and you have the image. You have the preferred image. You have the built-in fan base. So you have all these things. So taking advantage of that and then like really honing their skills so they can get some type of, you know, accolades and stuff will make these black managers some money. And I'll try to say, like, I don't need no young white avatar. I'm high. I speak for the streets. I sold out an arena. I don't need any of this. I'm good. But the guy who's leading the meeting goes on using like a chief teeth analogy just says like, so there's three stages. You start off as, you know, young, fresh off the street, starting to rap, you know, you hot. And then you get to a OG status, well-respected, you, you know, peak influence in the game and the culture with the fan base, all of that. And he says, Al is nearing an OG status. So also with Atlanta, these little uh, tidbits that we get, like where Al saying he sold out an arena, he's close to OG status. These are the Atlanta writers, Atlanta in general, aren't going to give you a step-by-step. Okay. This is the trajectory Al is at. They're just going to, like I said in the last episode, you're just going to get things in the moment. So in the moment, we see he's selling out arenas. Even the the older rappers say he's close to OG status. So we see Al is now an established figure in the rap industry, especially if you're near an OG status. So, but anyway, the guy after OG status, he says, next is family films. And then when you're in family films, you're basically obsolete. You're forgotten, which is the why you have to go into family films. And you end up, what do you say, being friends with Ice Cube. So you're getting close to losing your power and influence. That's what the guy says. And he says, every, like, you're, you're, you basically lose that with each show that you do. With each show that you do, you're kind of losing that influence. You're losing that status. You're just on the decline as you get older. And he says, basically, if you don't, the other, the bunk, if you don't get a young white avatar in the next five months, you're going to vanish into non-existence. They also make a a reference to Blue Bud, the rapper that died in episode one, uh, the rapper whose funeral Al went to. And Blue Bud, Blue Blood, Blue Bud, Blue Bud was someone, as we already saw, and heard was someone that did it for the culture, not for money. And it was a, I feel like that was a big indicator to Al that maybe these niggas are right because no one knew Blue Blood was even dead. No one knew he even dropped the album because he started, he fell off the, you know, he fell off the radar mainly because of these young white rappers kind of just stealing all of that 
you being an older black rapper past the OG status, but don't want to be in family films, still doing the rap stuff, you kind of fall out of favor with everybody. And the guy leading the the meeting, uh, Bunk actually, tells Paperboy, like, none of those white boys even knew who you were. So all of this is getting in Al's head, and I think that's what gets him to act on it, as we see in the uh, the next couple scenes. So he's at Benny's uh, performance. He's doing a high school performance. That's the little boy that uh the 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 white father uh hired al to watch and train whatever and the kids are loving him we see he got an audience and al tries to sign him on the spot but apparently bunk signed him already and of course he didn't tell him even though he kind of made masqueraded this whole meeting this whole connection as like Oh, we're trying to help each other out. We're trying to help each other succeed or whatnot. And they, uh, they, uh, Al sees Yodel Boy, and Yodel Boy is high as shit off of perks, strung out, and Al gives him a ride. So Ern is still in that dungeon room, and we see a week has gone by. We see it's just a dingy looking room. It's br- it's like white brick. There's blood stain on the floor. It's just very dirty looking. And Al, oh, I keep saying Al, Ern eventually asked the guy that's guarding the door, like, do you have any water? What's up? You know, I've been here for about a week. So he opens a little cabinet and sees a Dasani, and that basically breaks him. He's like, that's it. Fuck it. I've been here for a week. Where is D'Angelo? I want to see D'Angelo. And then he kind of has some type of realization after the guy just looks at him and says nothing. He basically sits down and be like, who is D'Angelo? What is D'Angelo? I want to experience D'Angelo. So he's starting to ask the right questions, and we see that those are the right questions. And the guy takes the key and ends up going to just a random brick wall, and it turns out that was the actual gate, not the, the vault that misled. So we're taken to an entire kind of old, definitely old old basement and we see a man is singing he's made a fried chicken peanut butter sandwich with some some lorries on it lowry's on it and the man tells Ern that he is d'angelo we all are d'angelo and Ern is just like what the fuck are you talking about i've been waiting for d'angelo I didn't know if this was like a, he needed a manager with patience type of test. Like, what's up? What is going on? Where's D'Angelo? And the man tells him that D'Angelo is a complex network of like men, women, D'Angelo's, and they all comprise of D'Angelo. So it's a whole kind of colony network, as he says, of D'Angelo. And he makes Earn the protector of d'angelo so it seems like all these different people are just vessels of d'angelo and he makes it official by putting peanut butter on urn's head and then it was a weird part where he tells urn of a recurring dream that urn has about being in a pool around the time he was eight and these hands are kind of 
pulling him down into the water and he challenges Ern by saying like, how do you know these hands are here to harm you? What if they're here to help you? And I think that got Ern thinking about some stuff. I was still confused, but whatever. As Ern leaves, the nigga asks like, can you sign me? Because all this is very expensive. And of course, Ern says not. So after Ern leaves that kind of dungeon area, finds out about D'Angelo, we see now we're at the Grammys and Bunk and the other nigga that was leading the group are there. And they all there with their young white avatars. And they see Al. And we find out Al is not there for himself, but to manage uh, for managing Yoda Boy, who went platinum after three weeks. So he money for Al, basically. And they're both surprised. Uh, they're both surprised uh, Al was able to kind of undercut them back because obviously they were on some slimy kind of shady shit with not telling not telling Al, you know, that, you know, they already signed the, the guys that were in the studio. So, you know, they kind of, they're looking a little jealous. And uh, then Al goes to Benny and... It's like, where's Yoda Boy? And we find out Yoda Boy OD'd off of some drugs. And even though they end up winning, Al still just, he's just not, it don't feel like a win to Al. You can already tell that. And the people who accept the award, I believe it looked like it was the author that pulled out the gun on the black boy and the black boy. And the white woman uh, who was in the studio who was pregnant. So the final scene, we see Al, Ern, and Darius. They're all watching the Grammys together. And Al tells Ern, like, how do you do this managing thing? Like, because it made me feel sick. Ern tells Al, well, you got to do the stuff. It's not about what feels good. That's what it's not about what feels good. It's about what survives. And Ern and Darius leave Al to himself. And Al's just sitting there just thinking. So just thinking about just I feel like he definitely took in those words coupled with the experience that he just went through as his first time managing an artist, a white one at that. So overall, like I said, it's the commentary on just rap culture now and how white people have historically used and uh managed and took control of a black person's brand imagery artistry for their profit and for their gain and now we kind of see black people trying a go at doing the same thing but with white people and we see at least for al how that ends up so it was interesting kind of seeing that dynamic i was also reading an article from av club no from I was reading an article from Vulture about just how also rap culture, yes, you have the dynamic of the white managers, black artists, but with the culture, it is very much like being a white person. You got like capital, like intense capitalism that you're rapping about. Intense, and I'm not even talking about some social justice capitalism, like blah, 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 blah. like literally capitalism. I like to buy, 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 I like to spend, spend, spend. You're broke if you don't know how to buy, 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 spend, spend, spend. You're broke if you don't know how to uh, uh, hustle and work, and you're basically scum, <laughs> pretty much. Like, that's the gist of a lot of, like, just the commercial rap. 
right now. A very, very commercial rap. The bigger, the better. The more things, the better. Um, more money, the better you are in. Uh, just, just being extravagant, just being materialistic, all of that. All of that is basically kind of modeling after what white people, kind of a white people brand, what white people made, um, what white people worship and live off of is money. So we we see we see how that's the motivation for the people at the meeting and we see where that ends up and leads to you can't like what Ern says, you can't necessarily do what feels good. And what feels good is having more money and being rich. You gotta do what survives and what works and what you can even argue what is authentic and what is genuine. And we also see with the the artists kind of using that white capitalism mindset, that competition between each other, that undercutting of each other, not you can't really trust one another because everybody's out to get their own. And Al learns that the hard way, like even his people, his fellow peer rappers kind of just undercut him and just kind of, yeah, went above his head. And then Al tried to go above their head. And then we just, it, it was just, I feel like those were the feelings that made Al sick. He was just not being himself. He was being exploitive, exploitative. He was, he was exploiting. And I, that's not Al's spirit to exploit. Yeah, and I feel like Al also got a taste of what it's like to manage. And I feel like he'll have a higher respect for Earn because now he's kind of been in the throes of managing and knows now what comes of it, trying to keep our artists in control, trying to, you know, get them to sell all of that and just the the stressors of being a manager for a artist. I think he's going to have a little bit more respect for an empathy for Earn situation, especially with Earn being a successful manager at that and Earn being a manager that we can assume looks out for his artists. We see that in New Jazz when Al asked Earn, does he own his masters? And Al, I mean, Earn made sure Al owned his masters in the negotiations and all of that. So I I think Al is going to have more respect for Earn now that he was on the other side of just with the rap game as a manager. Uh, in terms of Earn's plot, the B plot, uh, I wasn't feeling it. It was just too, it was definitely an Atlanta fashion, but it was just like, it was like, okay. I don't know what they were trying to say. I really don't know what they were trying to say. And I feel like it was a little vague and there were no points that were hit or made. So it just left me very confused. I like Al's plot. I think it went a little, I don't know. I feel like the pacing was just a little too quick. But there were some funny moments in there and some moments to think about. But overall, as an episode, I just didn't like this episode. And it was just, eh. It was, eh. I like the kind of the flip dynamic. But with Earn, I'm just like, meh. But I do feel like the tone, like for episode one and episode two, I do think everything, what is consistent between all those episodes 
uh, are the character development and that kind of inner, that inner reflection within oneself and that inner work in that just realizations, a lot of realizations and a lot of growth. I feel like that's one consistent thing amongst them all. The dream that the D'Angelo protector said to earn, it had me thinking about the season three premiere with the black, the black hands pulling the black uh, guy into the water. Although that was definitely kind of a sinister feel like it was the dead black bodies that were drowned. I do feel like just that imagery, you can't, there's hands pushing you into a body of water. Like that imagery is still very similar, if not the same. So I couldn't help but connect that. I don't know what that was supposed to mean in terms of if that was a connection. I don't know what they're trying to say with that, but that's something I couldn't help but uh, point out. And with the hands pushing Earn down and Earn not trusting the hands, I feel like it speaks to just Earn's trauma. I mean, trauma of only relying on himself, only going by his own, not his own rules, but just only trusting and relying on himself pretty much. Not not putting himself in a position where he has to rely on other support or even their advice or opinions, to be honest. I think he just goes on his own standing because he just doesn't trust people. His trust is broken. So definitely, that was definitely a connection. So I think the most interesting thing so far in this season, we're about to be in episode four. I think the most interesting thing is seeing Al and Ern go through this personal development. I feel like we saw Van articulate that and went through the emotions of that. Now it's, I feel like, and Al, always, he always has some, episodes where he's kind of going through that but now we really get to see Ern go through that and Al now as a you know a star rapper we can say he's a he's a star at this point or at least close to being a one so I think that's the most interesting thing the character development but see this episode was it was very mild it was just I was just like eh I didn't even enjoy like sitting down reviewing it, to be honest. I mean, there was, like I said, some good parts, but it was like, yeah, meh. We'll see what episode four is given. I don't try to judge too much on the season until I'm past the uh, mid mid season, pretty much. But so far, episode two was cool in a very mellow therapeutic way no pun intended or whatever i liked episode one uh, but i don't know i'm not getting into the juiciness yet i'm not getting into the juiciness it's like i feel like this is a warm-up so far so we'll we'll see what it's gonna give and i'm gonna let you know what it's given and yeah bye <laughs>